Welcome to another episode of the Bees and Honey podcast. Today we'll be speaking with Lowell Boyers, who is an American artist. Uh, generally, he's painting, but he's done a lot of other really hands-on creative work with people in New York City and across the USA. I think uh, you'll be very interested to hear about his point of view on the current art world and what's happening in America. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Lowell. How are you? Very well. Very well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for making some time for us. And thanks for bearing with our little technological glitches, which, you know, happen long distance. It's no problem in the least. I'm glad we're connected now. This yeah. is good. Yes. <laughs> so tell me uh, what you're working on. I mean, now that we got okay. over yeah i am uh i'm working on this uh series of uh paintings that i'm loosely calling innerscapes innerscape paintings or inscapes um and it's kind of been a process that's was born from you know really almost the very beginning uh even when i was very young uh i was they're kind of like the landscapes of the inside and the outside, kind of in some alchemical fusion. And uh, in, in a funny way, I feel like uh, it's fun to, you know, talk about this, but it's, uh, I've been reflecting in anticipation of talking to you, but, you know, really in a funny way, ever since I started, I, I was very interested in, this kind of initially, I thought of it as psychology. Uh, this idea of um, just being a kind of existential being, and you know, when I was super young, I was you know 13 years old, and uh, when I first thought I would be an artist, and I was obsessed with all these kind of angst-ridden drawings of Egon Schiele and all these Viennese secessionists and. Um, uh, kind of um, just uh, even, uh, uh, you know, um, what was it? Kind of uh, Renaissance paintings of, you know, various sufferings mm -hmm. uh, of uh, saints and whatnot. And, you know, that's, you know, at first I was just a kind of comic book kid obsessed with superheroes and uh, creatures, people who could kind of bust through boundaries and walls and leave the earth and fly in the clouds and all these things. And then all of a sudden I discovered uh, these more uh, realized and rich expressions by various artists that, you know, triggered a kind of uh, adventurer in me that um, I couldn't get enough of. And, uh, you know, Strangely, now here I am, I don't know, uh, 40 years later, and uh, I'm still kind of interested in these, you know, expressions of how we navigate our struggles and bounties in the world and, and trying to find a meaningful way to portray that kind of subtle and not so subtle phenomena. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, so um, 
Well, I was thinking when you talked about the superhumans, I remember seeing some work of yours in the past where the people, the characters, the uh, figurative guys were sort of flying through the air. So I, I guess that uh, yeah. at, at the yeah. time it meant like their spiritual journey, but I see now it came out of also those superheroes and the qualities. Yeah, like, you know, I, I know. The, you know, the idea of gravity or lack of gravity has always been, you know, uh, from a um, representational point of view, really interesting to me. I mean, first initially born from seeing just drawings on a white page, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just floating in the fertile ground of the page. And then, of course, superheroes from a narrative point of view, but also from a kind of uh, plastic or formal point of view. I was very interested in icon paintings, kind of surrounded by gold figures and angels and uh, uh, landscapes and steps and all these things, kind of encrusted and surrounded by these kind of very fertile, resonant, gold leaf uh, 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 surfaces. And, uh, and now as an adult, you know, loving Japanese screen painting uh, mm -hmm. in particular um, has been something that's been very fine, very rewarding finding a kind of kinship in that. Um, but the, uh, yeah, those figures are there for me, they are like super superheroes kind of um, trying to establish or acknowledge their own inner liberty, you know, um, mm -hmm. And I remember we were talking or exchanging some notes about, you know, where these figures came from. And you had kind of alluded to uh, some kind of Native American. Yes. Something which is that was so interesting. I, you know, I, I, I think of them, you know, a lot of the figurative works as kind of everyman, you know, all mm -hmm. races, all. And even sometimes nebulous in terms of their gender. I mean, mm -hmm. mostly they're men. And I mean, I've done a lot of men, but uh, I've, I've also done a ton of uh, female images as well. But, you know, I like the idea of them being kind of a little, at times, a little nebulous. Ambiguous, uh, yes. And ambiguous. Um, yeah. And I think, and, go ahead, go ahead. No, you go, you go. No, you go, I mean, finish your thought and then I will bring this up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, partly because, you know, I, even though as I paint, you know, the, there's this kind of mirror-like reflection and, you know, it's particularly in my work that is so kind of, uh, has a very personal vibe to it. Uh, it, it and in many ways, as a an autobiographical flair, it's really the heart and at least I believe the artist's practice is to be a uh, uh, to create a tool for communication and identification or association, not in a illustrated way, um, you know, not not the way someone writes an article, but you know, to kind of suggest textures that 
the viewer can see themselves in, you know, or see their own phenomena in. And, and part of my inclination to define forms, whether it's figurative, uh, like as in body forms, faces, features, but also gestures, landscapes, uh, even vessels and, and, and metaphors uh, of mark making that people can kind of connect to is important to me, you know? Yes, yes. And, you know, you mentioned the Eastern stuff and, and at the beginning you described the new body of work as capturing the innerscapes and the outerscapes. It reminds me a little bit of the other work you do in, uh, I guess, the sort of center that you had attached to your studio, you know, with your former partner where you did yes. meditation and body work. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I mean, it, uh, to you know, uh, the the thing that um, I always I always have uh, believed is that the kind of creative imagination or uh, creative spirit is something that belongs to everyone, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, not just artists, and that it can be manifested in countless uh, ways. Um, and uh, my former partner, and um, we're divorced now, but uh, she was also an artist, and... Uh, we just naturally wanted everything. We had this loft that was, you know, an old school New York uh, loft that had been a manufacturing floor and building. But uh, for the longest time, it was huge. And uh, we just were able to, whatever we wanted to, you know, we had a business that was a kind of, um, that it was a strength and healing therapy business. And uh, uh, we're both practicing Buddhists. So we had teachers, great, great lamas from all over the world coming to uh, teach at our space. And um, uh, we had dancers rehearsing and choreographing in the space. And uh, we did charity events. And it, the, the part about it, and of course, we also had lots of dinners, which I think you even came yes, to a, a, a few of them. Yeah, yeah these kind of uh, forums, mm -hmm. you know, occasions where we could just sit around and talk about politics and art and, you know, right. in a way that was really open and, you know, broke away from the kind of, um, uh, kind of, what do you call, diatribe of the moment that we're all suffering through. You know, everybody's just repeating what they're reading essentially Jesus you know and regurgitating yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, um yeah, yeah. you know and it's very different when you sit around the table and you know mm -hmm. clinking a glass and eating good food and feeling a kind of trust and intimacy community uh, to, and community that mm -hmm. is essential and that is what we built and i think you know i know you feel this but you know uh but i you know i think art Art and all kinds of actions can be magnetizing in that way. You know, it can create community and it can, uh, it can soften boundaries uh, uh, that we project on our own lives. I mean, each of us has our own kind of 
boundary perception again and again. We're constantly asserting it to make sense of our lives and, you know, intellectually, emotionally, you know, financially, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, when, when those barriers soften, uh, especially when we really open our heart to that, uh, I think we have this opportunity for seeing the world more openly and freshly. And a good work of art, or for that matter, a good experience, uh, creative experience where um, good heart can enter into it, can just transform the way we see the world forever. Yeah. You know, uh, just in the moment, but literally alter it. Yes, you know? yes. So when did you first realize this path that you were on? I mean, not just the artistic path about creating artworks, but also this Buddhist uh, path. Yeah. I, you know, the, my Buddhist path is now 16 or 17 years uh, ago. It seems newer in funny ways. I always feel kind of green as a practitioner, but I kind of know that when I say 16, 17 years, then I realize, oh, maybe it's a little longer than I thought. But it's, um, you know, what in many ways, I, I've always felt that the paintings helped, being a painter helped ripen my hearing the Dharma. And, uh, you know, when I first heard it uh, through my, this great teacher of mine, Zongzar Kensei Rinpoche, he... Um, it kind of blew the back of my head out because I, I realized that, oh, you know, the reach that I'm going for in painting can actually be reached in all the minutes of my life that I can, you know, uh, uh, begin to um, intentionally um, adventure, you know, in an open way in, as I'm living, you know, and that, felt extraordinary to me and mm -hmm. it changed the way I painted too a little bit but it you know uh it changed you know it changes everything but the painting also influenced it and I I think a lot of artists and creative people have um it's not surprising that they have a very open spirituality often mm -hmm. you know because I think that if you sit in front of a blank page or a blank canvas or before mm -hmm. you begin to pluck a string, mm -hmm. there's this sense of opportunity, a kind of fertile opportunity mm -hmm. that the artist or player musician feels. Um, and, and, and kind of just so flirtatively enters into, you know, making marks and, yeah. and, you know, blowing notes and all these things. And it's, it's just, uh, I think that, you know, the regular, it is my belief that the world unfolds for us in a similar way that it's, you know, uh, you know, that we are um, often closed to the kind of um, expression of just, utter liberty that is available to us in every given moment. And I, I try, you know, who knows what mm -hmm. I'm doing, but I, I try to, you know, uh, try to 
portray that a little tiny bit in my work um, in a static, it's static, but I try to capture that sense of movement and uh, transformation, the impermanent nature of phenomena fluttering, you know, and shimmering yes. and, you know, um, and I use material to do that a little bit. And anyway, so the Buddhist thing, you know, has been now is utterly integrated into the work and into my life and the painting uh, is, has just become uh, an equal part of all of my practice, you know, an important part of that practice. Yes. And what yeah. part of America are you from? Because in some ways, you know, the work also has this feeling of being from like the Southwest, like New Mexico or Arizona, you know, when you talk mm. about the gold and just uh, this sort of lightness and color and spaciousness, it reminds me of like work that would come out of the American Southwest. Where are you from? You know, I was born here in Queens, New oh, York. Wow. Yeah, but uh, I lived all over. I traveled a lot with my mom and my stepfather. And uh, mm -hmm. but it, uh, I guess you know the only the only kind of Western, real Western experience was I lived in Texas for some formative years in the '70s, um, mm -hmm. just outside of Dallas in a small what it was a rural town called McKinney, Texas. Now it's a total suburban metropolis of Dallas but wow. uh, at the time it was really rural mm -hmm. and um, funny white picket fences and chickens in the backyard that kind of thing <laughs> but uh, um, and then I lived in western Pennsylvania for some mm -hmm. time and mm -hmm. uh, you know I think I don't know exactly where the color comes from. I've, I've reflected on it a, a little bit just partly because, you know, I, I've always been really drawn to kind of German poetry and, and, and poetic arts and whatnot and Viennese. Mm -hmm. But strangely, I think there's this kind of American optimism that's at least, you know, who knows if that's actually even still alive. But, <laughs> you know, definitely growing up, there was this kind of American optimism that I think comes in, that's relevant to my work. And the color is reflective of that sense of bountiful opportunity that may, uh, that is very unlike that kind of Euro European, you know, kind of moodiness, you know, mm -hmm. and in a funny way. Yeah. I think that if, we're, if there's an American, vibe there in in that way i think that's where it, it, it's born from you know this sense of a kind of sense of optimism um yeah that, that i just kind of naturally i think i have i think i was kind of born with it it was encouraged too it was encouraged my mm -hmm. you know i grew up in a my parents were both from new york but they were uh you know involved very deeply involved with the civil rights movement they mm -hmm. believed in optimistic change and that hardship could always be turned into something else. And, you know, I've always liked that uh, playing with that union between something that, you know, like a rose, you know, having thorns, but also these fragrant flowers, you know, this kind of challenge of 
both being alive and well, you know. Um, yes, yes. If, if that makes sense. Well, it makes complete sense. I was having a conversation with the assistant director to some big budget films and <laughs> she was telling me about a story <laughs> of on the set where um, so they had just seen a, a home of abject poverty and uh, two of the guys who were helping out on the set were like, yeah, America's just the greatest country in the world, blah, blah. And she's originally <laughs> from Canada. And she said, guys, do you realize how silly you sound? I mean, just look outside the trailer window because, you know, they have one of these mobiles that they work out of. She's like, look all around you. What is there to be optimistic yeah. about? But, yeah. you know, I guess Americans are able to... <laughs> create this optimism out of self-evident I mean, misery. It, it, I think that there's something there. At least there was, there, there was an ethic uh, alive and well in that. I mean, I think now we realize that some of that, you know, not to get too political, but mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, there was a veil pulled over our heads, you know, a lot of our, you know, to try and keep us in this ideal of this American optimism, even when many of our people were being crushed under certain kind of power interests. And I think we're, we pulled, we're beginning to pull the veil off and, but deep down we are fundamentally still uh, committed and promised to change, you know, and yeah. I think that that is uh, a, that is a precious thing. That You're right. Really, You're right. You know. Well, tell us about the work again. Like, what are you going to be doing in the next few? I mean, nobody knows what's really happening the next few months or so, but what are yeah, your right. grand plans or general plans for the next, uh, let's say, yeah. six months? Yeah, well, uh, I had a show that was supposed to be exhibited with uh, Anderson Contemporary down here in New York City, down on Maiden Lane, this very big open air gallery. Um, and that was canceled due to COVID in May. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, so I, um, that was postponed. And now we're talking about possibly uh, opening it again uh, in late September. So I'm, loosely hoping that mm -hmm. this work will actually be mounted and then we're going to uh, have a series of many limited viewings, social distance viewings. Um, and if that's the case, that would be great because I've, uh, I've got a lot of paintings that I'm excited about and that uh, have been in the works for some time. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't happen, it's okay, but it's, uh, it is something that I'm, I'm curious to share and, you know, I think we're embarking on a very new, in a new realm that I'm not even sure how it's all going to work. You know, um, yeah. I think, I think the inclination to intimacy and art is a really good thing, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to like the art fair phenomena, mm -hmm. uh, which is really faceless like with all the faces it becomes actually faceless yes and and it becomes you know utterly mercantile which genes do you like the most you know <laughs> but um uh and i think um it might be these kind of smaller by invitation only viewings things like this could 
lend itself to a different kind of uh, reception to to seeing work, which I'm op you know open to, and you know that could be really great. On the other hand, um, you know, I think a lot of people are still very afraid. So yeah. uh, and understandably, and uh, you know. Um, we have to be sensitive to that and uh, just try and figure out if that could be navigated with respect. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, our world's changing a lot. And, uh, you know, I also, you know, we are, you know, I, I'm wondering about galleries and all that other, you know, I mean, of course the museums will eventually get it together, but, you know, galleries are going to, are, are challenged by real estate and uh, and the price of real estate and all of that. And unless the city does something to help them out, it will be, we'll have to be more uh, adventurous in the way that gallerists are, and galleries and artists are gonna have to be more adventurous in the way that they exhibit work. Remember all the, in the late eighties, we had all these kind of cool pop-up spaces mm -hmm. and, like maybe people will just start doing that. There's plenty of empty space boarded up and maybe people will just take on a different kind of approach so that they don't have to have the total overhead, you know, for, I, I really wonder. Well, that's the know. hope. I mean, that's the hope for New York that, okay, right now things seem to be on a down spiral, but perhaps there'll be this renaissance in the creative areas again. I mean, to tell you the truth, I've been speaking with some people about, the real estate on the ground floor, like you just mentioned. And, you yeah. know, we, we didn't have much hope. We were like these greedy landlords, you know, they rather keep it empty and have a tax write-off than put exactly. something risky in there. You know, yeah. that, that's the sad truth. That's the sad truth. And, you know, that can be changed. You know, like the thing is, is that... Instead of vacancy tax, change the yeah. tax laws. Yeah, just changes. Them. Yeah. Exactly. Just say, hey, listen, you can only deduct what you what you had previously right. as a rent, possibly, you mm -hmm. know, instead of like in doubling the rent or increasing it by 25 percent or whatever. Yeah. Just say, you know, yeah, a vacancy law is great. Yeah. I love that. vacancy. Yeah. They'll never do. I don't know if they would do that. Well, but, they have to uh, do something because, uh, I mean, it, it will the entire real estate market will go down with all these empty things, which then exactly. bring across this whole urban blight. And I mean, it's, it's a spiraling out of control if they don't do something. I agree. I agree. It'll happen. It'll happen because people will start getting desperate, you know, yeah. but you know, there's somebody's going to have to stand up to the real estate lobby, commercial real estate lobby. And I don't know if, de Blasio is really the one to do it. I don't uh, know. I don't know who's, you know, it has to be from the inside as well. It has to be one of the big real estate guys, one of the big real estate guys who are also into art, of which there are several who I won't name. Yeah. But they can uh, lobby for these things as well. They have the financial might. And at the end of the day, it's in their own interest, which is all that will matter to them at the end of the day. Their own yeah. interest. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I remember like, we used, I used to, you know, when I, or in, I guess it was 1990, we used to have shows at, out of a, our loft and people had, and it was really, we had heavy hitters coming all the time to these openings. What was his name? Uh, Kenny Schachter used to do amazing, yes. funny, yes. fun things in these 
places with barely any light and mm-hmm. um you know and they were super cool yeah. you know and uh his west maybe, village space yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah there were a lot of really adventurous ways that people you know figured it out and you know finding the right people and the right like you said right uh right landlords and all of that i think uh well, how about, I mean, that's how I first initially got into, and, you know, I, I ended up not doing, you know, uh, I tried to fight my landlord millions of years ago in court, you know, to try and get rent stabilization. So it didn't end well, but in the beginning, uh, which was in 1991, I think, you know, the, my neighborhood in Chelsea on West 26th street was, utterly vacant there it was just manufacturing and sweatshops mm-hmm. and and uh hispanic um cabinetry shops and whatnot and they were you know they were paying the same rents that they had been paying in the late 70s pretty much so then a bunch of artists come along and they're like hey listen we want to live here and work here and they were like okay you know and because they those huge floors were, you know, open yeah, and they had no rent. So it may be a little bit like that, you know, eventually, you know, and we'll see, you know, Uh, I had it for 24 years and it was terrific, you know, and then, you know, real estate got crazy. Then he's wanted, you know, my guy wanted $30,000 a month, Um, (laughs) you know, a small salary, (laughs) a beginner salary. yeah, so then I'm like, I guess I'm out of here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, so. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? Because I think uh, I'm going to have to end the call soon. Uh, that's I, have... fine. I, you know, I'm, I think, uh, no. I, the only thing uh, is just that I think the, uh, I, I'm glad you're doing this. And I think that the idea of, if I, if I come away from this conversation, feeling anything is a sense of community that you're helping create, but also that you've brought into my mind again, you know, the sense of uh, the heart of art is to kind of cultivate connection, you know, and uh, I'm really grateful for that opportunity that you, you know, kind of light that you shined on <laughs> me, you know, that's really nice. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad that you're still doing work out there and, uh, you know, the creative spirit in New York and in America will pull us through all of this. <laughs> so thank I you. I think it will. I think it will. Yes. I agree. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Have a great day and keep me posted about the exhibition, hopefully in September. Yeah, I think it's late September. We're looking at Anderson Contemporary. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay, take care, Lowell. You too. Good Talk good to afternoon. you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope the rest of your summer is filled with joy and happiness. Uh, Hopefully soon we will all be emerging from the trauma of the last few months to a better world. Have a great end of summer.